Hey, everybody, and welcome back into Locked On Bama. Luke Robinson, that's me. Jimmy Stein, that's him. Jimmy, how are you today? Good, good. Still, still refusing, refusing to believe that 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 uh, that we wouldn't have football. Uh, saw somebody tweet last night saying we just need to keep talking about it so we can speak it into existence. I like it, and uh, I'm 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 excited. Uh, if it gets canceled, it gets canceled until that day. Let's just get excited about the season. And for those who don't know, Jimmy also believes in Bigfoot. So, I do, I do, I do. Less so than I used to, by the way. Less so that, than you used to? Less so than I used to, but only because there was a period where I was super interested in the subject. And uh, I, I wouldn't say that any of my uh, beliefs have changed. I'm just a little less interested right now. I got you. Yeah. Bigfoot's it's not like I got a, it's not like I got Sasquatch problem in my backyard. Well, yeah, I mean, if Bigfoot, if I was Bigfoot, I would be kind of pissed. I mean, like, with coronavirus and um, yep. political strife at home and abroad, I mean, there's too many other things to worry about. Right? You know, if a Yeti attacks Hell. me, I mean, that's way down on my list. So Hell, we, um, might, we might get some really good evidence when this is over, because now that we're all inside, those squatches in the woods might be like, hey, all those people went away. It's yeah, our land again. Like, they can frolic. There's supposedly fish back in the canals of Venice. I mean, if people, you know, it goes to show you that if you just take human beings out of the equation, I think Earth's a pretty good place. <laughs> no doubt um, about it. No doubt about it. Just to tell you how this how coronavirus and quarantining is going, I was just, I, you know, it's a three-minute drive from work to my house, and I had it on ESPN, so the Will Kane show was on, and Will Kane had a guest on to talk about gene mutation, not gene mutation, but virus mutation. And um, that's where sports is right now. The Will Kane show is talking about how the coronavirus could possibly mutate into a weaker form of itself. So if you want to know how sports talk radio is, that's that. Um, another that little funny tidbit I was talking to my brother, uh, and my brother's and his family, they live in Auburn. He's a big Alabama guy, but they live in Auburn um, because his kids go to high school there, uh, or not high school, just go to school there. And um, anyway, he he's staying with my parents and uh, right now because, you know, the coronavirus has hit Lee County pretty hard. So I, I saw him at, at the office and I said, hey, you know, you stayed at mom and dad's night? And he said, yeah, Lee County is screwed up right now. And I was like, oh, wow, really? Why? You know, and he said, Auburn's there. <laughs> I thought that was pretty good. <laughs> I, of course, he meant the coronavirus, but still pretty uh, funny. Funny. Um, funny. Sports Illustrated came out with, is doing something, you know, they're hunting for content like everybody, and they are deciding who's the position you, you know, who's quarterback you, who's linebacker you, who's whatever. Oklahoma took the lead on that. Auburn was actually number three based on their their scoring system, which I don't understand. Um, but Alabama today was named the new linebacker U. Now, I've always kind of considered this linebacker yeah. U regardless. I mean, Cornelius Bennett and Keith McCants and Derek Thomas and on down the list. Um, but we are definitely linebacker U now. Sweet. Well, it's a great, it's a great, it's a great, I mean, uh, it, it's just, I mean, it, it would 
be impossible to do a Mount Rushmore of Alabama linebackers. It'd just be impossible to settle on four. Uh, really, every level of defense, Alabama would be really, really good, even prior to Saban, after Saban. It's just ridiculous, as the blog we'll talk about later today, the NFL draft blog uh, has shown <laughs> our contributions to the National Football League, which have always been pretty good per anybody, have skyrocketed under Nick Saban. I mean, I was, before I started the research, I was stunned to find even what I found. And, and I, I, I knew I wouldn't be surprised to find that draft classes under Saban were the best in school history. I, I had no idea it was this much. I mean, just unbelievable. But if you just did a Mount Rushmore of linebackers under Saban, it would be awesome. And then pre-Saban, Leroy Jordan, Cornelius Bennett, Derek Thomas, and 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 pick whoever you want for the fourth. I mean, because there's so many. But then post Saban and C.J. Mosley and Reuben Foster. I mean, you know, these guys just just one first team All American after another. Rolando and et cetera, et cetera. So that's going to bring us to our first break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about ranking the Saban drafts. A blog Jimmy has put on Crimson Country Club. He has worked tirelessly on, and uh, we will be talking about that when we come back here in just one minute on Locked on Bama. Jimmy, uh, it's very rare these days that you and I write blogs for Crimson Country Club because really this podcast has taken the place of a lot of our blogs, but you put together a pretty cool blog ranking the Saban drafts, uh, and you have a point system, which I will let you explain. Well, I wanted to keep it simple, and I'm, I'm a very objective guy when it comes to doing these rankings. I like to be objective. I mean, I, subjective people can just go so far. I just have one opinion, which isn't better than anyone else's, you know, subjectively. Subjectively, somebody in New England really believes they really would have won a lot of Super Bowls if they had a better quarterback than Tom Brady. Somebody believes that, and that's why I don't like subjective opinions because I mean that they're subject to being crazy and 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 we're all subject to having out their thoughts I like something a little more objective which means hey these are some uh, a system that it's got some logic and reason behind it and, and we can use the system to determine who's the best so what I came up with uh, you know you could just count draftees but that that was fraught with peril it, it just doesn't make sense to count draftees because wouldn't you think a draft is better if you produced three first-round picks and two second-round picks as opposed to 12 seventh-round picks? I mean, I, I'm more impressed with the with the five guys taken in the first, you know, uh, two rounds than I am with 12 guys that were lucky to be taken at all. So I came up with a system where we just simply get give three points to a player to give three point points to the draft class if it produced a first-round pick. Two points if it produced a second or third round pick. As we know, the second day of the draft now is second and third round. That's on Friday night. That also rounds off to roughly 100 players. If you're taking the first three rounds, you're among the first 100 players taken in the draft. And one point if you are anywhere fourth through seventh round. Uh, In the old drafts, I didn't want to take into account People drafted past the seventh round for any number of reasons. The draft used to be pretty long and kind of stupid crazy when you think about it. So, heck, we've been doing seven rounds for a long time, so I just kind of cut it off at seven rounds to compare, you know, the old classes. What I really want to do is rank the Saban classes 
and then show everyone how the Saban classes uh, are so beyond what Alabama did in the past. So we can talk about both things, but in terms of blowing everybody away, in terms of blowing everybody away, in terms of, of what the difference between the Saban classes are and all the others, Saban's only had 10 draft classes, only went back to 2010, because even though Saban was on campus during the 07, 08, and 09 drafts, those were really all Shula players. There wasn't a single Nick Saban recruit taken in the 07, 08, or 09 drafts. Those were all Mike Shula players that were taken in those drafts. Saban players, Saban recruits started being drafted in 2010. So only counted the Saban classes as 2010 full. So that's 10 classes, right? So the dead last, the worst of the Nick Saban classes, the absolute worst, was the 2015 draft group. Uh, there was only one first-round pick, Amari Cooper, and two guys taken on the second day, which was Landon Collins and T.J. Eldon. Okay, uh, that that's the that's the sum total of uh, of high points of high points. You know, Amari would be worth three points, Landon two, and T.J. two. So that's seven points between uh, those three guys, and then Alabama would have four guys drafted in the late rounds. That produced eleven points. That's the worst. Saban class, okay, of draftees. Now let's go all the way back to Coach Bryant, but I only counted post-merger because pre-merger, now you're talking super complicated, back when there was a draft for the AFL and the NFL and who the hell knows how to deal with all that. So I went post-merger forward, and that's 1967. We're talking about modern times. So 1967 forward, if Saban's class was the worst, with 11 points, there is only one class since 1967 that wasn't put together by Saban that would have made the top 10. Only one. None of Coach Bryant's. In fact, the most points under a Coach Bryant draft, the most, is nine points. Nine. That's it. Again, the worst Saban was 11. Coach Bryant's best was nine points. Bill Curry's best, 10 points. Ray Perkins' best, 7 points. Mike Dubose's best, 8 points. Franchoni's best, 5 points. Shula's best, 8 points. The point is, and the point is, Saban's, class, Saban's worst classes in terms of the NFL draft are better than all of our previous coaches going back and including Coach Bryant. His worst is better than their best. The only draft that would make it into the top 10 that was put together by somebody else was the Gene Stallings draft in 1993, April of 93, which was the draft following his 1992 national championship that included three first round picks. Eric Curry, John Copeland, and George Teague were all first round picks, and there were other guys taken as well. That draft would tie for eighth. Seven Saban groups are better than that one. So Alabama in the NFL draft is basically a story of pre-Saban and post-Saban. And we think so much of our storied history just extends back so well beyond Saban, and it does. We were a great program before Nick Saban ever showed up historically. Saban has just taken it to a level we just weren't there before insofar as putting players in the NFL. And then when, and then when you say, well, putting players in the NFL, you're probably winning games. Well, we have proof that that's happened too. 
So anyway, that's, I, I, I knew I would find that, but I had no idea that we could prove it to that extent. Well, it is, and it's it's certainly very, very interesting because you're right. Once you put a lot of this Saban stuff down on paper, um, you realize that we're not even appreciating the greatness as much as we should. And yep. that seems asinine to say because we can't kiss Saban's ass any more than we have collectively as a fan base. We have kissed his ass. <laughs> as much as you can kiss a person's ass and yet we deserve we should be kissing his ass even more he deserves to kiss his ass more we, yeah, correct we don't we don't appreciate it enough we don't we don't appreciate it enough that's a fact and i think anybody that listens to podcasts is very appreciative we're, we're not saying we're zero appreciative i'm just saying he's created this monster and I, I, while we're riding on the back of the monster I don't think we can appreciate the size of the monster. Yeah, that's right. I'm sorry. I, I thought you were about to say something else. I didn't want to interject there. Okay. Um, uh, another little uh, shout out. Crimson Country Club. Check them out. CrimsonCountryClub.com. You need to be referred. Okay. This is this is something that's easily done, though. Um, you can reach out to Jimmy or me on Twitter. And uh, we will get you referred. We will get you in Crimson Country Club. You know, you can't be, you can be a gump. You can't be an updike. How about that? <laughs> and what we're trying gump, to do, we that whole system is also to weed out non-Alabama fans. I mean, True. obviously on these huge public sites where there's 20, 30, 40,000 members and, 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 and God knows they deserve their success. But when you have, a membership that large, you're bound to have a few spies in there or muckrakers in there that are actually fans of other schools. They're always trying to cause problems. Uh, Crimson Country Club, we're smaller. We try to keep it w- w- what I guess you would call verified Alabama fans. So, so we're all we're all on one team on that site. Um, okay, so we'll take a break. When we come back, Jimmy will break down this uh, this thing he did. Jimmy. The floor is yours again to uh, talk about this ranking of the Saban drafts. At number 10, you come in with the 2015 draft, which garnered 11 Stein points. <laughs> I like that. 11 Stein points. Yeah, uh, it, it's the, wor- the, wor- the, the worst, uh, even though it produced a first-round pick in Amari and two second-day picks in uh, Landon Collins and T.J. Yeldon. Uh, you know, if that if that's the that's that it's amazing that in terms of the drafts that we can say belong to Nick Saban, if that one is the crappiest, like like, like ugh, that one, uh, it's still produced Amari Cooper, T.J. Eldon, Landon Collins, two Pro Bowl players. Uh, um, 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 unbelievable that that's considered in last place. But one thing I want to notice in, in terms of like breaking down each class is just, you know, that only has 11 points. And then, and then number nine is 13 points. And number eight is also tied, you know, 13 points. And number seven is 14 points. And number six is 15 points. If you see the trend, we're just barely moving up one point. You know, number five is 16 points. Number four is 17 points. Number three is 18 points. So you're like, oh, wow. So it's funny how the math just moves up. You know, one point moves you up the rankings. But no, once you get up to number two, it's 21 points. And when you get to number one, it's a whopping 23 points. So even though the classes are consistently great, 
you're talking about 10 of the 11 best draft classes in Alabama football history. But there's still separation. One and two separate from the others. Uh, at, at number two is the class of 2018, which was drafted right after Alabama beat Georgia in the national championship game, the two to Smitty play, 21 points. Uh, and, and what that features, the record that that group had, Luke, the record is 12 players drafted in the first sounds. That's the school record. That's the goal. That's the mark in terms of total number of players, uh, 12. That's how you can come up with 21 points. And they weren't all uh, first-round picks, but there were four, which matches the school record is four. That, that's if anybody didn't know four is the most first-round picks album. So that class, which ranked second, had the most with 12 and tied for the most with first-round picks with four. So you're like, how in the world could any class beat that one? Well, it was actually the previous year, 2017, the draft following when Alabama finished runner-up to Clemson because of the game that we lost because of the illegal pick play in the end zone. That draft class produced a whopping 23 points, even though even though only nine total players were drafted, three less than that other class we were just bragging on. But what's amazing is Alabama had nine, point, nine players drafted. Four were in the first round. Four were in – no, I'm, I'm sorry. There were ten players drafted. Four in the first round. Five in the second and third rounds and just one late in the draft, and that was a fourth-round pick, and is Eddie Jackson, who's actually played like a first-round pick. That is the most amazing draft in Alabama history because nine of Alabama's incredibly large draft class of 10, nine were taken in the first three rounds, highlighted by, of course, first-round picks, Marlon Humphrey, Jonathan Allen, O.J. Howard, and Reuben Foster. The, class, the draft class of 2017, which followed the 2016 season, is in fact mathematically and verified the best draft class in Alabama football history and even has quite a bit of separation from all the other classes. Uh, an amazing group, and that is what we need to consider the gold standard at Alabama, the 2017 draft. Um. Yeah, and I mean, as we said it on the Clemson championship game rehash for the 16-17 season, that if Eddie Jackson doesn't get hurt in that Texas A&M game, there's no doubt in my mind Alabama wins the national championship and goes undefeated um, yes. with a true freshman quarterback who wasn't supposed to start. That, But, you know, that goes to show you that, you know, we losing one guy, and it doesn't have to be the quarterback, can just – can really cost you. And, I mean, yeah. that, Eddie Jackson cost us. Yeah, one thing that this uh, exercise did for me when I, when I see the draft and the draft results, I'm now convinced. I thought this before, but I wasn't sure. Now I, I'm, I'm adamant that it's true. And others have held this opinion, and I haven't necessarily argued with them, but I wasn't sure it was true, but now I am. The 2016 Alabama team that went undefeated all the way through and lost to Clemson with one second on the clock, that's the best team in the history of the University of Alabama that didn't win a national championship. That was the best one. Uh, it, it was a complete team. The defense was really, really good. I think that was uh, uh, either Kirby's – was that Kirby's last defense or Jeremy's first? Um, I think oh, it, it had Kirby's. to be Jeremy's first. It was Jeremy's first. 
Yeah, that was Jeremy's first. Yeah, it was, that was Jeremy Pruitt's defense. And uh, uh, it was so good. So many players, obviously, the success in the draft is there. But, but man, to be quarterback by a true freshman who, who was limited throwing the ball, although he did make a lot of pass plays during the season that saved our ass a few times, uh, and he did put together a national championship game-winning drive. The defense just couldn't hold on at the end because they were just too tired. Our defense was tired and pooped and ran out of gas. But that that defense, that team, that team, the 2016 Alabama team, that's the best saving team that did not win a national championship. And quite frankly, I don't know how you decide this, but maybe that team was better than some of the saving teams that did win national championships, frankly. Yeah, probably so. Uh, looking at that 2011 draft, because I'm like you, this one seems – I mean, I know based on your point allocation, this is right, but it seems low because there were four guys <laughs> taken in the first round, but only one other guy taken, period. But three of those four were juniors, right? I mean, Darius, Julio, and Ingram were all juniors when they left, right? That's correct. So That's what correct. I'm saying is if if those three guys stay – well, number one, 2012, um, we go unde- undefeated, undefeated, like really undefeated. <laughs> like not just regular undefeated, we go, or, or 2011, we go undefeated. Yeah, so if Julio, if Julio Ingram and Marcel Darius played on the 2011 team. Yeah, oh, which that team, lost to only, that team only lost to, um, obviously. The uh, LSU game of the century. We lose to LSU if we have Julio, Darius, Carpenter, and Ingram. We could right? play those what if games forever. If we never had juniors leaving, we wouldn't just never lose a game. <laughs> we just would, we probably never would have lost at any point. But that team in particular, like you say, I mean, add that 2011 defense was maybe the best college defense of all time, arguably one of the great college defenses of all time. We could have added Marcel Darius. That's crazy. Yeah, my point is. That if those three don't leave early, yeah. that team has two guys drafted, James Carpenter and Greg McElroy. And Carpenter was a complete out of left field draft pick. He's one of the ones that everybody was like, oh my God, they picked him in the first round. Right. And then hasn't and then hasn't played like a first round pick in the NFL. He's been a good player and he's been a starter for multiple teams. So he's not a bad player, but he's just what I would call a player. He's a dude. He, he probably should have been a third or fourth round pick. And and for a third or fourth round pick has had a good career. For a first round pick, you're like, oh, boy, the Seahawks, Seahawks might have might have oversold there, overbought. Yeah, they may have, but he's with uh, I think he's with Atlanta right now, isn't he still? He yeah, plays for the Atlanta, Atlanta Falcons. Right yeah. yeah. Yeah, oh yeah, so, he's I mean, still in the NFL. Like I say, he's been a good player. He's been a good player, <laughs> just not a first round pick guy. That's an interesting way to look at this. Um, you know, if you're in the NFL. And he's been in the NFL, obviously. He was with the Seahawks from 11 to 14, the Jets from 15 to 18, and the Falcons from 19 to now. So he's been in the NFL, what, nine years total. Um, I think that if you're in the NFL nine years, that automatically bumps you up to, hey, you're a first pick, first round kind of guy. I mean, if if you're in the seventh, picked in the seventh round, you know, you're probably only supposed to last in this league. A year or two, if that. If, if that. you pick the first round, you're supposed to last, you know, probably seven to eight years. I mean, because the the shelf life on these guys um, in the NFL just didn't high. Right. 
But I would say if you're taking the first round, the expectation is that you're a star player, that you're going to be a star player. True, uh, but now he was taking number 25, and when you get right. to number 25 in the first round, you know, it's kind of a toss-up because it, the 25th pick in the first round, and a GM would probably fist fight me over this, is probably not much more valuable than the first pick in the second round. Although, but but the 25th pick in the, the first pick in the first round is way more valuable than the 25th pick in the first round. Do you see what I mean? I do. And uh, as a matter of fact, on what you're saying on point, uh, a scout, NFL scout told me one time, of course, the, the, the scouts and these teams grades on players, they put like a, like a letter or it's actually a numerical grade that they give to players in terms of that's how they manage their board. You know, who's the best player in the draft? He, you know, he has a real high grade and then the next guy and then the next guy, they do it by numerical grade. And over history, there's a certain grade you have to be. And, and those guys are drafted in the first round, right? It was a, a few drafts ago, but I talked to an NFL scout who said, you know, after we did all our work, you know, with three days before the draft and all the numbers are in and everything, and we, we got the board fixed and it's done, we only had 16 guys in the draft with a first round grade. So that particular yeah. draft was bad to this team. This team didn't feel like it was a great draft. They, they only had 16 guys total that they thought were actually worthy of a first-round pick. And that can happen in years. Uh, in some, some years, there might be more than 32. Uh, in this particular draft, there was 16, which is just the top half of the first round. So, yeah, the, 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 it's, it's cyclical. There can be good crops, average crops, and even bad crops in comparison to previous years. I call it the Tyler Love rule that not all five stars are created equal and not all not all first round picks are created equal. I mean, you get this label on you like, oh, he was a first round pick. But if you're the first round pick at number 32 or the first second round pick at number 33, the 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 difference between the two of you is razor thin. It's just the label you have. I mean, that's all. Yeah. Hey, when you pour over all these draft numbers like I did, and it, you know, took a couple couple of days, like you know, we're in the quarantine. I said, you know, I put it together in my spare twenty four hours I have in a day, uh, which is true now. Maybe in the, maybe before the shutdown, it was a little tough to uh, put together a research blog while I tend to my other multiple jobs. But uh, one of the things I'd forgotten that I was just a little surprised about. Did you remember that Vinny Sinceri? was drafted just three picks behind A.J. McCarron. <laughs> when A.J. was drafted in the fifth round, I guess I guess we're all celebrating A.J.'s, uh, AJ's selection in the fifth round because we didn't have many quarterbacks selected until – and then A.J. being selected in the fifth round was worthy of celebration. Heck, three picks later, Vinny Sinceri comes off the board. So uh, just kind of something I didn't really remember, that they were practically back-to-back. No, I didn't remember that at all. It's interesting. But I'm I'm going to tell you what. This draft this year may be the most watched draft ever because oh, it's yes. going to be the first anything of sports anybody's had that anybody cares about. Now, it, they may, it'll be the least fun draft to watch, too. Dark tossing but that, that nobody's watching. But uh, the, and I'll tell you something else. I heard this. Um, what's the the three on three league that Ice Cube does? I can't remember the name of it. Basketball. I mean, yeah. I know, you know what I'm talking, talking about. I know what you're okay. talking about, but I've never watched it. But anyway, um, 
you know, it's, it's, it's fine. I mean, when it's on in the background, I'm fine with it. I'm not like obsessed with it, but they're, they're going to do something this year, apparently where they're going to have all the players stay in this one house. I don't know how many teams they have. If they got six, you know, if they got uh, six teams and three players each, or maybe four players each with, you know, they'll have 25, 30 guys in a house, whatever. And if you leave the house, you're done, you're out. You're out of the contest, whatever the contest is. But every night they're going to play basketball and they're going to televise. It's going to be like a reality show slash basketball thing. And, you know, film them during the day and then film them playing basketball at night. And in the end, somebody's going to win a big cash prize. But I find that to be kind of interesting. I'm like, okay, this kind of combines sports and reality TV. And this could really garner my attention based on what we're dealing with right now. Um, And uh, but the NFL draft, going back to that for a second is going to be bananas, except for the fact that I doubt anybody will be able to attend it. That's going to make it suck. No, it's going to be, I mean, I think they're still working out the details. It's going to be, ironically, it'll be the most boring broadcast of any NFL draft. I mean, compared to other drafts, this is going to be boring. Yet it's going to get ratings like the Super Bowl, because why would you not watch? Oh, you got to watch. Really, it's going to be a, a, a conference call. It's a video conference call with uh, with the camera primarily on Roger Goodell, who's probably going to be in a room with very few people, uh, but but that will include the ESPN and NFL Network broadcasters. So we're probably talking about 20, 30 people in one big room, and that's that's the, that's the draft. That's it. And then uh, the the draft will be interconnected by video conference call, and first pick Bengals are on the clock, and then the camera will switch to a very limited Bengals war room. And I mean, it's, it's just, it's just all going to be done by we're watching a conference call with Goodell announcing, you know, who was drafted. Uh, so it's going to be, nope. And, and I'm, I'm guessing without knowing, I think after, for instance, the Bengals draft Joe Burrow, then a camera with ESPN or NFL network will cut to the home of Joe Burrow, where he's probably there with just his parents and and then Burrow will react from his living room, you know, uh, and probably interviewed by some local reporter that's there. Uh, I mean, I imagine that's what it's going to be. So it's going to be hugely boring compared to previous drafts. But of course, well, I can't wait for it to come on. I mean, th- this is oh. the sporting event of the of the whole spring, maybe the summer. Oh, it's, it is the event. It's so funny. Like, it's good. Anything with Roger Goodell automatically is 2.6% more boring than it was without Roger Goodell. And this was already going to be super boring. And you, even with all that, you're right. It's going to be a ratings bonanza and I'm going to be wearing jerseys and knee pads and helmets and shit ready for it because I'm just so anxious to have anything that's live sports. Well, while we're taping this podcast, I am taping a Todd McShay mock draft special that's on ESPN at two o'clock this afternoon. I it's, on right it. now? it's on. Yeah. It's on, it's on and it's airing again at five o'clock. And that's how excited I am about this draft. I'm literally taping <laughs> things on the DVR to, to watch mock draft specials because I'm that I've always into it. I will never be into a draft like this one. I can just about do a mock in my head. I know the 32 team draft order. I know it yeah. in my head because I've been, immersed in mock drafts and what's going to happen. And it's because all it's all I have, Luke. <laughs> it's, it's all I have. So, so this is what I have in life right now is the draft. And 
I'm into it. I'm into what all 32 teams are going to do. I'm into every kid that's going to be drafted. I'm rooting for everybody. I'm just really curious. But but getting back to the blog real quick, uh, our record for first-round picks in school history is four. We are very likely to break that. All we need is a fifth, and we could have as many as six go in the first round if Diggs goes in the first round. He's going in many first-round mocks. Some others he's not in, and some he is. I'm going to predict he does go number 32 to the Chiefs right now. That's my prediction for Diggs, and we will have six first-round picks. But even a fifth, if, who's, who would likely to be Xavier McKinney, if McKinney is drafted and, and is our fifth guy after Tua, Wills, Judy, and Ruggs, if McKinney is the fifth guy, that will break the all-time school record at Alabama. We've never had five, and, and this could do it. Uh, again, the other school record is a total of 12 players drafted. For us to have 12 players drafted, it would most likely have to include a couple of names like Matt Womack and Jared Maiden. And you can't rule them out as being sixth or seventh round picks because they both played in all-star games. So they had a lot of eyeballs on them. Womack in in the Shrine Bowl, Maiden in the Senior Bowl. They had a lot of eyeballs on them, and they're both going to measure well in some things. So you can't rule out that those two could get drafted and tie the school record for 12 total players drafted. But I'm betting against it. I think Womack and Maiden will be undrafted myself. That's just my guess. Um, speaking of all that, you should check out Locked On NFL Draft. That's Locked On NFL Draft, part of the Locked On Network. Uh, we appreciate those guys. We appreciate Sam Adams. So you probably heard their commercial early on. In this uh, in this podcast, we appreciate them. Want to give another shout out to Echelon, who um, man, I saw another, I saw a TV commercial for them yesterday, and I was like, "Holy cow!" I, I just did a, a live read for them yesterday. I may have botched it a few times. The TV ad was much better, but Echelon <laughs> is, is pretty badass, and it looked pretty cool. I, I mean, I didn't know much about it when I did the live read for it. Well, I know something about it now. I mean, hey, you know, good job, Echelon, you kick ass. Um, our sponsors so me, are kick-ass. Yep. That's, that's ought to be our the locked-on motto. I'm getting a T-shirt. Locked-on sponsors, they kick-ass. Perfect. It's um, a motto. Okay. It's a motto. We'll call it a motto. Uh, all right, buddy. So we okay. will try and get another one of these we'll mothers soon. out tomorrow. Roll Tide. Roll Tide, buddy.